Welcome to Uncontained, episode 20. I'm your host, Aaron Static Render, and for those of you who have been with me the whole whole way, all the way up to 20, thank you for listening, and uh, yeah, it's a small milestone. We got plenty more Uncontained to come your way too, but thank you for listening. Those who are just joining me now, please feel free to go back and explore the earlier 19 episodes and today we got a very interesting episode for you. It's a singer, songwriter, musician, music teacher. Her teaching of music is combined with yoga, combined with breathing exercises, and helps balance your brain so you are not as self-conscious about going up on stage and singing in front of people because... We've probably all had somebody tell us, unless we've got an amazing voice, shut up, quit singing, you're not good. Well, she helps you get over that. And um, a very interesting story. She also um, is living between two locations and has a new album out. Yes, well, an album that didn't get a proper release anyway, she said. So uh, kind of trying to give it a rebirth and a proper release right here. Her new album's called Ricochet. This episode, number 20, is with musician, singer-songwriter, music teacher, Sharon Bousquet. And before we jump into the interview, I'm going to play you one of her tracks off her 2015 release, Ricochet, Baby Say So. Oh, 
Sharon, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. All right, great. And for people who don't know or who are not familiar with you, uh, could you just tell a little bit about yourself to familiarize my audience with you? Sure. Um, I'm a pretty much a lifelong artist, singer-songwriter, film composer. I teach a holistic singing and self-expression workshop called a singing body seminar, and I've been teaching it, gosh, for about 20 years, I guess. Um, as long as I've been doing music, I've been doing this seminar. And um, yeah, I just spend my days doing music. Okay, great, great. So when you say holistic, holistic music, what do you mean by that? Well, the, the class combines a little bit of yoga, some singing exercises. So what they call vocalese, bo 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 bo, that kind of thing, with um, breathing exercises and something called educational kinesiology, which is um, movements that balance the hemispheres of your brain. And so, how that really works is uh, these movements allow your your brain to work better, and your your fear centers, which your which for a lot of people, singing and standing up in front of a group is scary. It kind yeah. of quiets that voice that tells you that you're an alto and you can't sing high, or if you sing high, your voice is going to crack, or you're going to embarrass yourself, or you're not a singer, you can't carry a tune in a bucket, and all those things that people tell themselves about their expression and their, their ability to sing. And it just sort of shuts that off and just puts you in a more settled place in yourself so that that voice isn't telling that you can't do something that you really want to do. And it'll just allows you to hear your natural voice to get that out of the way so that you can actually sing and hear what you sound like. Okay, great. That sounds very interesting. So are you saying like you, anybody can sing? Like if one, I am or saying is there still, is there still some <laughs> limitations? Like even I could sing yeah, to people. Right. I'm normally told to shut up when I try to sing. For most for most people who have that experience, they've had, whether it's a choir teacher or parents or siblings or friends or whoever have kind of, they sort of shame, like we, we shame people if they don't have a particular type of voice when they start to sing and, and, and then the, the voice doesn't get to develop. So of course there are some people that have a more developed, more uh, 
pleasing voice when they first start to sing. Um, but you know, it's like, if you don't, if you don't use your voice in a certain way and, and then it gets shut down when you're young, that it never gets to develop. So you could actually develop a, a unique and beautiful voice if you were given the opportunity. But in our culture, it's, there's kind of a lot of shaming that goes on around self-expression if it's not a certain way. Yeah, I have noticed that actually. Yeah, it's like I think even maybe when I was younger, I did hear that. You know, oh yeah, your singing voice sucks. But uh, Dennis, singing has never been my strong point. Uh, but getting up on getting up on stage is not scary you know, for you. A big fear for me. You know, I'll get up on stage and talk do to <laughs> do weird voices and stuff like that. But get me on the mic and tell me I'm singing in front of people and. Uh, yeah, probably wouldn't be pretty. So maybe, oh. maybe I need to get my hemispheres balanced. <laughs> well, actually, you and I are kind of kind of opposite one another in that I have great respect for anybody who does stand up comedy. I can't even imagine because you're either you're either you're either on and people are laughing or you're sucking and there's there or you're it's not working. And that's, you know, that's really all there is. There's really no in between. And I find that thought terrifying myself. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, there's, you know, the in between is just like a dead audience, you know, like, it's silence. like, yeah, silence. And that 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 hurts when you have a joke that you think is going to land and get a big laugh and it doesn't nothing. Right. Yeah. But, you know, you can have the same thing with music, too. Yeah. Like, so how did you come across uh, like your your uh your cocktail for balancing the hemispheres of the brain. How did you figure out that work? Well, that work actually wasn't mine. I didn't create it. I just teach it. Uh, it came from my teacher. His name's Edwin Coppard, and he and his wife, Cheryl, created uh, what they called, you know, way back when, the singing. Uh, actually, his version was called Crystal Voice. And the Crystal Voice uh, singing workshops were, I took I took the workshop and then I loved it and, and noticed an immediate result in my own voice. And so I took his uh, teacher training course, the first one he ever did here in Fairfield, actually. And he's from Canada, he lives in uh, uh, on uh, Victoria, Vancouver Island. And so he came here and taught and I took that class and that was you know, 25 years ago. And I have been doing it ever since, either teaching it or using that work in my own, you know, in my own career as a singer. Um, so I do, you know, I've done voiceover work and I've done um, studio vocal work and I taught and I've, you know, done many, many, many years of performing. So it's really, it's been a huge gift for me to have this, this, uh, this program to use. All right, so then you just had to get out and share it. Then that makes sense if it's been had that big of an effect on your life. You mentioned that you're living in Fairfield, Iowa. Yeah, correct. That's right. Now, to a lot of people who are thinking of Iowa right now that are not from Iowa, they probably have no clue <laughs> how unique Fairfield, Iowa is. You, I know there's like the Maharishi uh, whirling dervishes too, isn't there? And like, <laughs> um, I don't know, a lot of meditation going on. Um, I haven't seen any whirling dervishes, but I wish. You know, that okay, would be maybe awesome. that maybe that was an exaggeration, but. <laughs> Well, actually, what the the cool thing about Fairfield is it is uh, in the southeastern part of the state of Iowa. So we're you know forty five minutes to an hour from um, the Missouri border, and uh, the same from the, the Mississippi River. And 
So it's, you know, it's kind of relatively flat compared to certain parts of Iowa, like Northeast is really beautiful and, and, you know, uh, with between the river and the, the the landscape that was created by the glaciers up there, it's a much more interesting landscape for most people. But I've I've actually come to really fall in love with with Iowa, even this part of it here. I just go out and get lost in in back roads and and take photographs. And and uh, anybody who who finds me on Facebook will see I post a lot of photos from this area, and it's very beautiful. Uh, but Fairfield itself is is just odd because you know 1970s there was a a university campus here that went uh, went kaput and was on the market for what at that time was a relatively low price, and it was picked up by the Transcendental Meditation Movement and purchased as a campus for um, for teaching what is called consciousness-based education. And so there's a university here that's been here since the 70s that teaches is an accredited university that teaches. Uh, their focus is uh, they do a teaching program. They have um, an art program and uh, sustainable living has been really big and uh, computer programming and different different programs that are offered here with uh, the basis of the program is all the students learn to meditate and they all meditate together. And then each class is taught with the with that angle on things. So with a, a, a consciousness-based focus on all different subjects as you study them. So it's a really interesting, actually very interesting place. And then it has a K-12 school uh, that my kids actually graduated from. So, yeah, so it's, a, it's an absolutely wonderful place. People from all over the world, it's very diverse. Um, conversations tend to go very deep very quickly. And uh, there's an amazing... A uh, singer-songwriter room, a listening room downtown called Cafe Paradiso that gets amazing talent from all over the world that comes through here and plays in this tiny little town of 9,000 people. So I, I feel really blessed. We have five different venues of different sizes from the Stephen Sondheim Center for the Performing Arts to Cafe Paradiso to uh, the Arbor Bar. Um, has all different kinds of alternative and indie music, mostly a younger crowd, um, 20s. 20 something crowd there. And, uh, yeah, I mean, there's a, there is a lot here. And then we have, we have a beach. We actually have a little beach on the reservoir. There's sand and you can go swimming and be out in the water. And, uh, it's just a, it's a special little place. Well, when, uh, when you're uh, doing transcendental meditation, can, can, is that where you can do like the, uh, out of like body meditations and you could like just put yourself on a beach anywhere? That would be or... nice. No, actually, I've never heard of that. That's not, you know, TM is, is a, is a mantra based meditation. Maybe it's not uh TM. I don't know. I, I was thinking, um, um, have you seen the movie men that stare at goats? No, but it sounds fascinating. <laughs> No, it was well. If they were uh, using meditation in the army uh, in the military to try to control, uh, it's based on a true story. Actually, you know what I saw? And, I did see the trailer for that, and it did look really cool. I didn't see the movie though. And they believed like if they st- they were trying to find people that could like stare at a goat and kill that goat with their mind. Hmm. You know, and like try to Weapons. figure out what Turn- like what box. Yeah, kind of in a way. And also be able to tell if somebody's lying by or know exactly what's going on. It's been a while since I've seen the movie, so my synopsis of the plot is a little rusty. But uh, 
But yeah, um, they they had like a bunch of boxes, and you had to be able to get like tell what box was had had the item you were looking for. In there were a few people they thought were gifted, and it it, it was an interesting movie. I'd recommend it. I believe it has uh, Jeff uh, Bridges and uh, and Brad Pitt in it. Okay, well, great. I'll check it out. It sounds interesting. It's a, the 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 uh, intent and focus of that. Uh, movies form of meditation is pretty much the opposite though of what's here because the idea here is with most forms of meditation I think is to develop your uh, a sense of peace and so you want to be be peaceful and happy and um, you know expanded inside of yourself and you know killing people with your mind is like the basically the opposite. You're, you're you're not <laughs> trying to kill goats no, in Fairfield? No absolutely not. <laughs> Actually, I think the purpose of that program, like the person who founded it, was supposed to be like a peaceful way to to uh, resolve conflict. So not not just weapons free murder, like just not not just just <laughs> not not just mind bullets. Gotcha. You know, it wasn't all sinister. But uh, um, so speaking of movies, you actually have uh been licensing your music for films? Yeah, I, I have been. I And I intend to do a lot more of that. You know, as the years go on, touring gets a little bit harder as far as just the, the grueling aspect of it. And people think it's so romantic. Oh, you play music for a living. How nice. And you want to slap them upside the head when you realize that you're putting in <laughs> 80 hours a week in this business and it's kicking your tail. Um, so yeah, it's, it's not, it's not for wusses. This, this business is not for wusses. And so it gets a little tiring on the body just physically to do the touring part. So I, I yeah. really am looking forward to doing more and more licensing as time goes on. So how'd you get into, uh, licensing music for film? How'd you find that, uh, that avenue? Well, I've been sort of interested in it. Look, I was living out in Santa Cruz and um, a girlfriend and I drove down from um, from Santa Cruz down to Idlewild. Have you ever heard of Idlewild? It's like it's a really cool. I have heard of it, but it's a writer's community that's out near Joshua Tree and the desert. And uh, we were we went there. She had a family cabin out there. So we went there to hang out and and just check out Los Angeles and, and the, and the mountains there. And we met this guy at breakfast one morning and he happened to be a filmmaker, a, just a beginning filmmaker and a musician. And we just hit it off. We sat over coffee and just talked for two, three hours and, and kind of really got to know one another and just had a great connection. And so he and I stayed in touch when we left and, you know, like, I don't know, some years later, like, I don't know how many years later it was, three, four, five years later, I get a, a message from him saying, you know, I, I have a film and my first feature and I, I need some music in it. And I was thinking of you. So could you send me what you have now? And I just happened to be in the studio with my latest record be finishing up at that point. So I sent the album and I sent the, the, uh, the sans vocal version, the TV, TV tracks that don't have any uh, lead vocals on any vocals on them, um, basically instrumentals of all the songs. And okay. he used a lot of that, a lot of both of those things in the film. And that was the start was working with Steven. So I've had actually put music in a couple of his films. And, and what film was that, that you got your start in? The initial one is called cosmic radio. And if you remember an old show called Northern exposure, 
Yeah, yeah. Up in it was Alaska or Canada. I don't remember. Right, really quirky, really quirky characters are and based around a radio station up in up in uh, Alaska, and yeah. it's it's a cool old show and and it sort of had that kind of a vibe. It was similar. It was a radio station involved and uh, you know romantic interest and and then uh, there was an, an added eco environmental storyline uh there was a woman there who was put herself up in a tree and she was part of this uh, rainforest alliance or whatever tree saving tree huggers you would call them probably and (laughs) and she was up in this tree trying to save these old redwoods and and so that was one other storyline that was in it so it kind of had a a green uh storyline too and so they used you used quite a bit of my music for it and then uh, the the movie just kept getting buried, uh, not not getting released, and then they were going to turn it into a uh, a series on cable, and then it was coming out, and then it wasn't, and then I heard nothing for years, and so finally I ended up giving up on it, and uh, now it turns out that it actually really is going to be a series, and so it's being turned into a series, and so we'll see what happens with that uh, that initial film, but I have music in uh, three or four others, and I'm just. Uh, continue to submit music through you know, some services and through other connections that I have here in Fairfield after having been here in music for a long time. Do you mind sharing what those services are? Yeah. Well, I was actually just funny. Should we should talk about this because just tonight I was with a friend who's from Los Angeles and I was, we were talking about licensing and I was, uh, I've done taxi, um, and then the other ones that that's really the only service I guess that I've actively put my money where my mouth is and used, and I've gotten quite a number of forwards this year on Taxi. I think if your music is if you're really good at looking at their listings and not just sending willy nilly sending your music in, you need to really think about it being the right fit. And uh, so I don't send like in a year, I'll send maybe 19 or 20 or 25 songs in. I won't. And they have just thousands and thousands, you know, tens of thousands of listings in a year that you can send your music into. So it's really about both having good product, having instrumental versions of everything that you do is my first, you know, recommendation would be just anything that you do. Make sure you get the, the sans vocal, the without the vocal track just the instrumental version of every song that you do so whenever you record make sure you get that from the sound engineer from the producer that you have those versions that you can use for licensing because that's that will be helpful in the future definitely um because there's a lot of you know if you think about it most films are mostly talking and if there's music it's underneath of a, a speaking scene and so if you have instrumental versions of your music then that's all the more places that your music can be placed yeah, because it could get distracting with lyrics and the dialogue from the show just become a mumbled mess, That's a right. jumbled mess. That's right. And the focus clearly is keeping the you know the storyline going. So your music is support. It's not the main thing. Yeah. Okay. That's that's actually some really good advice on that too. So uh, do they have? Uh, so you say check and see what they're looking forward to as far as sound goes. Do they just have a description of what they want in the track well, for as it? As far as or? taxi goes, they're they're an A and R service, and so they have everything from you know major uh, major produce, producer of you know multi Grammy winning female vocalist uh, with a gymnastic voice needs uh, pop hit 
that you would hear alongside these songs. And then they'll give you actually references of what songs to listen to that give you the feel or the taste that they're looking for. And then they immediately say, do not copy these songs, but this is giving you a feel yeah. so that, so that people know that, okay, they're looking for something that, that has, uh, you know, is either edgy or is, or is really poppy or is, uh, you know, a straight out love song or has a lot of vocal gymnastics or whatever. There, there are all these different factors as far as what, what people want and, and what they're looking for when they're recording. And so those kinds of things are in, the, in there. And then there are, they're looking for uh, what they would have called tension cues, things where you're creating a mood with your music and that'll be okay. like a short for trailers or for the beginnings of films or, you know, just lots of different types of cues for, for films. Uh, just there are so many different types of, um, of music that's needed for licensing, you know, anything you can imagine really. Yeah. And uh, the, it's kind of funny with them sending you the tracks for like a little sample and saying, yeah. do not copy these. That's They're right. like, I want it to sound like this, but, but I do not want to pay the big <laughs> price to have to use this song in my movie. Yeah. And the other side of it as being, you know, doing this is you realize that especially with independent films, but maybe with everybody, they spend all of their money making the music, making the, the film look amazing. They just want it to look like incredible, like a, you know, a, a many million dollar film. And then you uh, end up, by the way, we need music. And so they come to you and say, listen, we need music. But so there's always that getting paid on the back end part of things that that's what's nice about taxi. If you're dealing with taxi, they a lot of the music libraries and music supervisors and producers, they're not asking you to do that. They're actually, there's money attached to each, uh, each licensing, uh, opportunity that they, that they, that they claim. Okay. So what, but would, are you in on the back end as well, or is it just like up front? It just varies really greatly. Like with, for instance, with some of the, the early films that I placed, uh, and that wasn't through taxi, but the early uh, instrumentals and songs that I placed in films, there I'm getting paid on the back end of those. So I'm still waiting to see a dime from that from that experience. <laughs> um, and in some cases, a long time later, like eight years later, in one case. So it's you know it's it feels like my experience is that the film industry is just painfully slow at getting you your money. Uh, but but I I do know that some of the some of the listings that are that are there are they're asking for something immediately this artist is in the studio now and they need this kind of song now and you know you have till noon tomorrow and i need you know the biggest hit that's ever been written and so you, those kinds of things can pay out fast uh, so okay. so if you have a studio and you're a really good musician and you can write to those listings your, you know, your, your, your numbers go up, your, the opportunities for you go up. What I'm doing is I have a lot of back, I have a, a back catalog, uh, both in various styles and, and both as songs and as instrumental versions of those songs. And so those are the things that I'm working with is placing stuff that I've already written because it's already written. I might as well, you know, actually make some money from it. Yeah. You know, might as well. It's <laughs> otherwise it just sits there. That's right. right. And other people, now people can hear it too, even if they yeah. don't know what it is right away. That's right. Um, so you have, um, sorry, you have a, a 
new CD, or relatively new CD out. Your recent, most recent CD is Ricochet. That's right. It came out last year, 2015. It came, came out 2015. All right. And uh, you said you didn't get to uh, necessarily have a formal release for that. So you want to plug your album now or yes i'd love to plug my album now <laughs> you know we had we had one of those stretches of time where everybody involved in the project was just going through serious life uh, you know uh tail kicking you know all of us had uh, people people dying and relationships ending and divorces and and um you know other types of breakups and uh, moving six times and you know having just uh, just crisis after crisis it felt like uh, so that project was constantly being interrupted by life, you know, kicking us out of the studio and having to deal with putting out fires. And uh, that resulted in the album that we started making when we started making Ricochet ended up being very different than the album that we ended up with when we were making Ricochet. So originally the record was being made when um, my partner and I were uh, she was hit by a car and suffered a brain injury. And we were just going through some serious challenge in, in oh. life. And so the songs are very uh, deep and emotional and heartfelt. And they're not, you know, the, you would never know that if you listened to what I just told you. But they're, yeah. they're very, very, um, very emotionally uh, hard hitting and in all different styles and, and all about kind of, um, the songs are all always love songs, no matter what you do. I guess it's it's either you know love gained, love lost, or, uh, or love wanted. You know, kinds of songs what we all write one way or another. But uh, these songs have, are are really special to me. I think they it's some of my best writing that I've ever done came out of extreme you know on the floor kind of trauma. <laughs> yeah, well, you, you hear that a lot though. Like as a musician, it's like when stuff horrible happens, it's Actually, as an artist, in many ways, when stuff horrible happens, that often inspires something to be created. Your greatest work, yeah. It's, I think human beings in general, whatever our, our, our DNA twist or quirk is, that we tend to, uh, we're, we're pushed by by the, the more challenging times in our, our lives and our, and our trials and struggles to be better or to create more beauty. And so for me, like I, I think, of beauty as kind of like my religion and so for me i i i seek it out everywhere i seek it out i see it in in people and in the photographs i take and when i teach and i see people's and hear people's voices come out for the first time and i get to see their face when they hear their voice without that you know that voice in their head telling them they can't sing then they and you know whether i'm looking at it in an audience and they're getting it and there it's just there's so many everywhere it's everywhere I have a song called Little Altars Everywhere. That's really it. It's like every place is a, an amazing place to find something beautiful. And and that that aspect of myself has been strengthened by having my butt kicked. <laughs> <laughs> and you just get on the floor and you realize, oh, all these walls I've been putting up for years around myself to protect myself. They just, they're not even there anymore. They just, and I, and I am a much more accessible and a warmer and a, and a more... Um, a more true and authentic artist and a better friend and all of that after having all that happen. Yeah. Yeah. It's people don't know how well they can respond and deal with something until they've actually dealt with it. A lot of times when you hear like um, the story you were telling earlier with, uh, with your partner getting hit by a car, you know, 
a lot of people would be like, oh, I want to be able to handle that. But when you're in that situation in life, you end up somehow summoning the strength to deal with That's it. That's right. Yeah. We, we're, we are much more than we usually are allowing ourselves to be. Like for me, for example, like I'm actually blind in my right eye. Uh, when I was 27, I uh, went blind from what what amounted to basically a stroke of the retinal artery. Wow. And every, yeah, everybody was telling me that, oh, man, I don't know how I how you do it. I don't know how like I, I don't think I could handle it. And I was like, well, I looked at it like I have two choices. One, I could curl up in the corner and cry about it. And, or two, you know, I can deal with it and move on, you know, and it's like I, I dealt with it by humor, though. So, right. I guess what I said, one of my jokes I had in the hospital was, I guess what they say about masturbation is right. Um, <laughs> thank God I'm not ambidextrous. You know, it's like it's it's great. <laughs> So, you know, it's like you summon things, it creates other things inside you and you just have to deal with it. Yeah, I bump into things from time to time, but, you know, it's strengthened me in other ways. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree. So, um, that being said, um, let's see, let's, you, you are actually living in two locations now. Yes. I'm, I'm not much for transitional material. Sometimes I'll just jump to a subject. Okay, that's all right. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, so you're living in two locations now, Fairfield, Iowa, and Philadelphia. Yeah, southeastern Pennsylvania. It's actually uh, Chester County, which is just just right, you know, a hair away from Lancaster County, which has a really large Amish community and is kind of known for that. Uh, but it's in the country. I'm like in the country an hour uh, west, southwest of Philadelphia when I'm out east. And then when I'm in Fairfield, I'm so I'm basically in southeastern Iowa and southeastern Pennsylvania. I just go back and forth, uh, you know, feed in two boats that are 970 miles apart. That, that's a wide stance. Yeah, I'm tired. I'm pretty tired most of the time. <laughs> it's a lot of driving. It's, you know, what is that? 1,520 miles round trip or something, you know, 1,550, something like that. It's a lot of miles. And so, and I've done that. I, I did it October, December, February, March, April. I came out here uh, after going out there in October and returning those two or three times. And then in April, I took a job in Iowa to make some money. And, um, and I've been here going back there. So I had shows and helping my mom with some things back east. And so I've been just uh, basically doing just a lot of driving. And um, yeah, that is a lot of driving. <laughs> it adds up quickly. Yeah. Um, but um, in Philly and the Philadelphia area, are you playing shows too? Or? Yeah. Yes, I'm, I'm actually, uh, when, I, when I arrived out there in October, I didn't have, you know, I had one contact of a, another songwriter that I knew 10 years ago when I was there. And I've only really played on the East Coast, even though I was raised there. I was born in Philadelphia and my family's in that area. I was raised in Delaware, in the Wilmington, Delaware area. And, um, but then I left and I've been gone for, you know, decades and so my whole music career happened away from there and I'd go back every year to visit at Christmas so I was always there during the holidays when nothing was happening musically so I never played there so uh, I've been you know I've lived all over the place I've lived in Santa Cruz and Austin and the hill country south of Austin and Vancouver British Columbia and Santa Cruz you know I just lived all over the country and uh, Hawaii and all over the place 
and oh, wow. but I never so I've played in all of those places where I lived I did music I taught or I was in one case in the case of Hawaii I was studying with my teacher learning more about the singing body and then we just basically did these music seminars and lived that work 24 7 for you know those eight months that we were there and so I just I've had a really varied life of moving around and yeah, had a couple kids like- too and so it's been busy Right on. Yeah. So it sounds like you've seen the country at least uh, quite a bit. Uh, when you you mentioned when you moved to Philadelphia, you only had one contact. Uh, what have you done to uh, gain more connections and be able to get more shows? Because I imagine it's hard to get a show when you only have one contact in the city. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Actually, what I did is I... I did a few things. I just asked around. I looked online and I found where the listening rooms are. And so those are the places that I want to be playing because that's what that's what I've been doing for years. And so I'm, it's not really in my best interest to be playing a lot of bars because what I do is what I write is more um, – I'm accustomed to people paying a cover and sitting down for a concert. And so I can play a bar and I do play bars. I played one on Saturday night. But not very often. It's not really conducive to what I do. And so what I ideally do, let me put it that way, I'll do a lot of different things other than what I ideally do. But what I want to be doing is playing shows for people who are listening. And so, um, so to get to that point, I found out where the listening rooms were. And then I talked to this songwriter friend of mine. And, you know, normally if you come into an area and you ask a non-musician, okay, so where are the songwriter rooms? And they're like, oh, there's an open mic down the street. And I'm like, oh, no, no, you don't understand. I've been playing music professionally for, you know, 20, 25 years. I'm not going to play the open mic down the street um, um, necessarily unless there's a reason to do it. And so I found the places where there was a reason to do that. There were the venues that I wanted to be playing in. And the open mic was a way to lead to the featured artist, which was a way to lead to a gig there and that kind of thing. So I did a few of those and met some people there and got some more um, recommendations. I did uh, I did one open mic at a wonderful listening room about 45 minutes from my mom's house. It was a really artistic town called Phoenixville. And um, and that one led to a, a quick gig and an opening for for Sonia of Disappear Fear, which was a good uh, connection because they gave me some more connections. And so it's just really a matter of this is a business of connections, and that's the most important thing. So just you know making yourself go out there and meet people and shake hands and and find ways to open for larger acts, better known acts, and and get get yourself in the doors that you need to be in. It's just, it's a time game. And because I've been doing this for a while, you know, I don't feel like I, I don't feel like I want to or have the time to spend to do it the slow way. So I was looking, yeah. I was looking for a quick way. So I called a booking agent and found out that she actually ran uh, a, a very established and, and respected songwriter competition in, in Philadelphia. And it was actually closing the next Tuesday night, the, right after that call. So I looked it up and submitted some music and actually was able to uh, to get under the wire and um, went through four different levels of judging and ended up being in the top 10 for that. So that was a really great uh, help for me in in getting my name out there and getting some recognition for my music. So I did. I was at the top ten for that uh, competition, and um, and then through that, I actually signed with that booking agent. And so now I have a, a new booking agent back east. That's that's a new thing. 
Okay, nice. Uh, yeah, and so I'm I'm playing uh, I'm playing some of the music rooms and listening rooms in the area already. It's been about four or five months, I guess, I've been working in that area. Although, uh, as I said, I've been out here in Iowa just as much, so it's really kind of diverted my attention from really focusing it as much back east. But there, there are some cool little areas where I've begun teaching the singing body, which is great. And, and my hope is to be able to do that, to kind of cultivate, whether it's a yoga center or a, or a, some kind of a, a place where they do um, self-improvement classes uh, and, and, and continue to do that and develop that part of my business as well. So that's really the three, this is the three pronged approach is performing and, uh, and putting my music out and selling albums and then, and then doing the licensing for film and TV and then teaching. And so those are the three, three kind of levels of things that I'm, that I'm focused on with music. All right, great. And your singing body seminar, um, do you take that on the road too, or is that just on location? I, pr- I personally like- would, I would travel, I'll, I'll travel to do, you know, any of these things. But in my, my ideal world is I book any town, any city, anywhere and put, uh, put something together. And I'm hoping the booking agent is going to take this whole thing on as a package where I can go into a place, do a private show, for instance, I do a lot of house concerts. I love house concerts, so as a lot of songwriters do that. So you have the private show in a in a, in a house concert, and you have a public show in a in a listening room or a, a theater or wherever that is. And um, uh, I also do far left center church gigs. So so what's called New Thoughts? That's Unity or Unitarian or anything like that. So I do those kinds okay. of gigs. So that adds another opportunity for performance and income stream so on every sunday of a gig uh tour you, you can have a get have a gig and so that gets a little rough when the saturday night is late when <laughs> he starts early yeah. but, but other than that and so so basically to be able to teach the singing body to do a private gig to do a public gig to do a church gig and then and then go home having done four or five different things and you get to have some you know you have some jingle in your pockets when you leave so the Unitarian Church, like, it's like non-faith based, or is it? Do they like do like the flying spaghetti monster thing, or What's that? like instead of saying God in some like schools and stuff, they they replace the word God with flying spaghetti monster? Wow, I've never heard of that. No, um, yeah. Although the thing with the thing with um, like unity is unity is different in that it's it is uh, considered a Christian church. So it's just okay. far left Christian church. Um, a lot of uh, metaphysics in, involved in that, our understanding of uh, of the way the world works from a more metaphysical standpoint. But with and with uh, Unitarian is very different than that. In that they they have some of that, but they're very much social justice focused. They're not really. It's it's a community, and it is. I don't know if they even call it a faith based community. It's very. It's a lot of. I'm. Let's see. I don't know if I should say this on the air. <laughs> I won't judge you, but others might. <laughs> yeah. Uh. <laughs> so 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 it. I my experience of it is it was less of a faith based community and more of a more of a social justice and making change in the world, um, kind of a community. Okay, I don't think they'd be offended by that explanation. Yeah, I think I think it's accurate. Sounds good. Well, we have a lot going on with you right now. You have the <laughs> yes. uh, 
Ricochet CD out right now. That's been out for a little while. Didn't get its proper release. Proper release. Um, living in two locations, you have the licensing business uh, for music, film, music and films and TV, and um, on top of being the musician, singer, songwriter, and then your third point of the trident would be the singing body seminar. Um, what advice? do you have for upcoming musicians? I'm sure you have quite a bit that you, since you teach a uh, seminar like this. Um, yeah, it's, uh, you know, I, I personally, I feel like I stretch myself pretty thin and I, it's, um, know that the, the, the music business is called the music business because there really is a significant business aspect to it if you if you want to yeah. continue to do it and be successful so there's a lot of time is spent um, wearing you know 15 different hats so what I would say is if you can create teams it's really powerful to have not try to do it yourself don't em- emulate me <laughs> I am tired <laughs> um it's really great to work with people who you, when you can put a team together, like I'm so excited to have a booking agent and I'm new out there. So it's just me, but now it's me and the booking agent. I'm like, okay, now putting a team together and that's awesome. And next it'll be somebody to do duo shows with me. So I have some musical support on stage and then it'll just slowly okay. build, but it's really good to have more than just you so that you both have a different, um, a different perspective on the business and also that you can delegate some of the work because really just doing one piece of this puzzle is a full-time job. And so I have all these pieces and I constantly feel like in my position without, without having created, uh, a, or I'm in the process of creating a team. I feel like everything is on my shoulders. It can feel a bit overwhelming. And, and so my, my biggest recommendation would be to create a team where that you really work well with that you have the same, same goals and that you can, you know, go for your, go for your, uh, for your dreams, uh, you know, in tandem. Okay. Yeah, definitely. And having that network can also lead to more connections with other people as well. Correct. Like is that kind of what you're using it for along with people like helping out doing their share of the workload? Yes, absolutely. You know, the more people that you have involved, the more, the more, just the more people who, who will know about what you're doing and will be able to support you in turn. Great. And I do ask uh, another question of all of my guests here on Uncontained. Basically, it goes along with the title of the show. It's How Do You Live Uncontained? <laughs> mm. Well, you know, I've been an artist my whole life, and I have been very blessed to be able to continue to do that. So I have just, you know, been who I am and done what I do, um, even though I've raised a family and I've, you know, had partnerships and I've, um, you know, gone through life. It's been a very full life. And I feel like, um, you know, as an out lesbian uh, you know, with, with a family and with, you know, the, this arts business, I'm just, I, I am always out there being myself for a living. <laughs> that's, that's the song actually that one that got me into that contest is called myself for a living. I recommend people go and listen, especially if they're artists, because it's just, it's a, 
it's what we're here to do is to be as much of who we are here as we can be. And so that's, that's, okay. that's uncontained, you know, let just uh, let her rip <laughs> bring, cause we all have our very unique gifts that we bring. And so if you're putting a lid on your, uh, putting a lid on your light, then you're, you're not serving anybody yourself in the least part. So it's just, um, yeah, I, I am myself, uh, for a living full on with all the music and the, and all the businesses that I do, they're all in support of giving me the freedom and the flexibility to be able to be an artist, to be able to be going to the store and say, oh, my God, that's sunset and follow the sunset and get past the trees so I can see the country road that I can go down and then take some amazing pictures that I can then, you know, you know what it posts is as a way for me, by the way, here's these beautiful pictures in this amazing town that I live in. And there's a show there this Friday night at Paradiso at eight o'clock. And, you know, you can just tie everything together to to make your artist's life work. Great. <laughs> Took me on a journey there. Did I answer your question, though? <laughs> I, I think so, yes, yes. To kind of live your life uncontained by letting your um letting yourself out because I think I heard it, I don't remember what comedian said this, but it was nobody can do you like you. Absolutely perfectly the perfect synopsis of what I just said. Okay. Yes. See, I listen. I listen. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> All right. We're getting ready to wrap things up here. What is your contact information? My website is SharonBousquet.com. It's S-H-A-R-O-N, B as in boy, O-U-S as in Sam, Q-U-E-T.com. It's like a bouquet with an S in the middle, SharonBousquet.com. And then um, my, I just, if you just put that in, you'll find all the other links to everything else that you would need. The singing body has a, has a page there. The other thing is Facebook. You can look me up on Facebook. I have an artist page and a personal page and I'd be happy to right, have some more friends. And can you get, uh, can you get uh, ricochet on iTunes or can you purchase that somewhere? You sure can. iTunes, Amazon, CD baby, uh, all over the place. Great. Um, make sure you check her out. I'll put those in the show notes, uh, so people can find those easily. And, um, I, I like to have my guests sign off the show, Sharon. Okay. And it's been great talking to you and it's been, uh, really enjoyable. So, uh, will you do me the favor of signing off the show for me? Happy to do that. I am Sharon Bousquet and I live uncontained. Thanks again to Sharon for coming on the show today, and I hope you enjoyed it. Hope you learned something. Maybe maybe you'll go check out her seminar to learn how to balance the hemispheres of your brain and unlock the singer in you. It'd be, uh, be interesting to check that out if uh, she comes out to the Bay Area or I get back to Fairfield, Iowa. I may, I may have to have her balance my brain. People have been telling me I'm out of whack for a while. But anyway, I hope you enjoyed the show. Please share the show with your friends, even if they are just digital friends. They they can listen to the show as well. I appreciate that. I appreciate that because it helps it helps grow notoriety for the show and also exposure for the guests that come on the show. So please rate, review, and share the show with your friends on iTunes or the pod player of your choice. I'm going to leave you with one more track from Sharon Bousquet tonight. It's off of her 2006 release, Temple. It's a track she talked about during the show when uh, she's telling us how she lives uncontained. It's Myself for a Living. 
And as always, until next time, live uncontained. It's not I want the big house. It's not I need a new car. It's more that I've been poured into a small clay jar. It's more a push inside. It's like the voice of God telling me Make the best of what I'm given Be myself for a living I have a heart-wrecked home The one I love is silly Happy on a sea of my tears And a boat of my feelings It's like a push inside It's like the voice of God Telling me to make the best of what I'm given Be myself for a living Be myself for a living You might think it's fame that calls But it's really not the point at all This is who I It's my wedding band It's my wedding band I recall a vow once spoke Long before I was a girl Something like a mission, gifts we carry for this world. Take that push inside as the voice of God telling you to make the best of what you're given. Be yourself for a living. Be yourself. I'll be my